Hello, everyone, and welcome to Epic Loot Radio, where we're going to be sitting down with Mr. Happy, talking about the truth of Final Fantasy content creators. Uh, this is built off of Josh Drive Hayes' uh, seven questions that he asked a wide range of MMO content creators. And just the other day, Happy put down his three and a half hour reaction, which I had to go uh, visit my parents and take care of their dogs. And I was able to download that to my phone and I absolutely enjoyed it. So I really appreciate you taking the time to put that reaction in. But I found myself asking over and over again, I want Haps his direct answers to these questions as especially relates to Final Fantasy. So that's what we're doing here today. If you guys aren't following Mr. Happy, he's tagged in this video. Final Fantasy 11 and 14 is what I think we have the most in common in terms of our gaming, uh, like libraries, etc. But if you guys uh, check out his Twitch stream, He's got, uh, he's been playing through Xenoblade Chronicles 3 right now. And, uh, and so, <laughs> and that kind of, it resonates to the tweet that I saw from him. Um, so we'll have to, we'll have to, maybe, who knows, we'll see what we get into in this regard. So, uh, Haps, one of the first things that I wanted to ask you was kind of the question I didn't feel that Josh actually asked any of us. Um, but there's kind of a subtext that at least I felt like I picked up on, and it's the state of the MMORPG. One of the things that I was curious about, you don't actually have to pull it up and share these numbers at all. But in terms of the age demographic, like, you know, last time I checked, I haven't gotten any younger. And also in terms of the age demographics of people who consume the content, uh, those demographics are getting older and older, which to me says, are young people even interested in the MMO? So generally curious as to your thoughts about the health of the genre, especially as we look over the next 10 years, especially with Yoshi P's commitment to Final Fantasy XIV for another 10 years. Um, what do you say? What do you feel? Uh, where do you see us going? I think the state of MMOs, it's it's been a bit of a wild ride because MMOs started in this very niche infancy where you kind of had to know, right? You had to know they were out there. You had to know which ones. You had to know people because there was just, it was like a secret club, like an underground club for every single one. And that was until we started seeing things like RuneScape, Final Fantasy XI, and of course, World of Warcraft. Now, when World of Warcraft came out, it birthed the age of be like World of Warcraft. And uh, that was the dark age of MMOs, in my opinion. Uh, it wasn't because the games being put out weren't good. It wasn't because everyone was trying to cash in on it. It was because they exactly wanted to be World of Warcraft. And when you try to be the best... By copying the best, everyone's just going to go to the best. Right. So we had ads like Rift going, not in Azeroth anymore, and all those sort of jabs that, yeah, you know, we're the next WoW. And there was nothing at all. You were either playing WoW or like one of the remaining niche MMOs that had released in the last decade, like Final Fantasy XI or osrs or maybe you are a maple story enjoyer you know, i still get mad that... when people call them tunes i'm like they're characters yeah. excuse me final fantasy 11 yeah. they're they're characters thank you very much get your tunes and get yeah. out <laughs> the only tunes i want are the tunes in my ears those mm -hmm. are the only ones yeah and then it kind of hit a stride where mmos no longer wanted to be like world of warcraft they wanted to emulate its success without being just another version of it and i think that's kind of where we are right now that generation has built up and maintained some pretty long-standing player bases over the years we have guild wars 2 still mm -hmm. getting their updates and expansions you've got elder scrolls you've got final fantasy 14 rising from the ashes you know and while yeah there's a ton of like run-of-the-mill free-to-play 
arguably low to mid quality MMOs that get released that seem largely formulaic and unoriginal in a lot of ways. I still feel as though the health of the genre is in a much better place than it would have been a decade ago. Now, in regards to demographics, I don't think we're going to run into a major, <laughs> I guess, player deficit due to demographic getting too old. I don't think it'll happen. I think at some point, I think right now it seems poignant because Fortnite, Apex, Battle Royales are really the young generation oh, yeah. game. But I feel that when we get new players in our genre, it is people outgrowing those types of games and moving into another genre to try something new, another online experience like they're used to, but of a completely different vein. Maybe they get exposed to a single player RPG that gets them to fall in love with the idea and they want to try an MMORPG. So I feel that it's just a matter of the demographic for entry into the genre is higher than other genres, mm -hmm. but not so much that it's going to like fade away as everyone gets everyone who started in that generation gets older. But that's going to be on developers to figure out ways to either get players to come back to your game frequently mm -hmm. or to try your game out for the first place. And I think that's the big thing Yoshi P is trying to achieve. He doesn't it's Final Fantasy XIV is the antithesis of MMOs. It's the MMO that tells you to stop playing when you don't want to. Right. Every other MMO is struggling to like, okay, we need this retention at maximum. He's like, they're paying a sub like, of every four months we release a patch, they're paying subs half those months at the very least, if yeah. not all of those months. Would you say there's an exception to the housing model within Final Fantasy XIV though? That is like, I view that housing with its limitedness and I hope that it eventually settles out to where if you want a house, you can get a house, but it does feel that if you own a house, you're locked in to your sub if you don't want to lose it. Do you feel like I've often stated that's absolutely true with the exception of housing? What do you think about that? I think that you need some sort of fail safe in your game. If there's a limited resource and if housing was unlimited, obviously we wouldn't be having this discussion at all. Right. But with a limited resource, the idea of letting somebody get a house and then not play the game, but still have the house it, it's it's it makes sense and it doesn't make sense. You know, they obviously they put forth all the skill they earned it, you know, they've done everything that's within reason to say this should be mine forever. But because of their own dilemma that I'm not going to, I guess I shouldn't say they seemingly created it, but by taking this design choice and not looking for an alternative route that was more widespread success or widespread availability, uh, they kind of orchestrated their own need to force the housing demolition Thing, which then of course enforces that if you don't keep your sub you don't get to keep a house it's such um, an interesting conundrum because it is a uh it is a problem of success right if final fantasy 14 wasn't as successful as it is then it probably wouldn't even be anything that the population felt and so yep. in its original design we were both there for it it was like there was no problem getting a house it was like this is great this is such a cool system and then over time that has slowly crept in and crept in it was it did not take long for it to get that way it was it was that way pretty much a few months in once true. uh very true the way they did it they started by fc only then mm -hmm. they started allowing things to go personal so it started as oh i want my own personal house then personal housing went up and then it was there's not enough houses yeah uh, was the order of operations there. it's interesting because ultimately like if you think about this in the grand scheme of things if they never actually made it as personal housing they could have then developed other systems that did that very thing and we got the mm -hmm. the personalized apartments which ended up uh solving part of the issue but i think there are still things that people are obviously wanting that uh that core uh piece of it and so i'm hopeful that essentially this becomes like when we see yoshi p 
go into the guts and redo the entire like companion system and bringing in the trust system backwards. Like they're fully committed. And the software engineer in me goes like, I don't envy that work. Like there is a lot of work that in a live game, like if this is just a beta, like, oh, oops, we messed up. I don't have to worry about X, Y, and Z. It becomes a much easier uh, thing to swallow. But when it's like, oh, we, we have paying customers and they've invested time you know, we need to make sure we ensure this. And so it ends up being a lot slower. So you don't end up having an oopsie. And I think Square Enix has been really good um, in that in that regard. So you brought up a couple of things, especially as it relates. And let's focus in on uh, Final Fantasy 14 uh, here specifically, because I haven't got to sit down and talk to you since like pre Endwalker. And uh, and one of the things I would say is like, I, I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on Final Fantasy 14's success and the impact you felt with uh, Endwalker, you and I both being longtime bets of this game, uh, it meant a lot to me. I felt like it was really interesting to see this never being done before. How do you feel about the state of the game? How did you feel about their their decision to end the story? I, I mean, chasing the carrot forever is something that, again, MMOs always want to do, but I feel like it kind of ties back into this whole Final Fantasy XIV as the antithesis of an MMO as an MMO. It wants to do the things that MMOs are not known for. It wants to create long-running story arcs that build, you know, attachment to the game and its world over years, which consequentially leads people to feel like they want to come back to it on occasion. It may not be every patch. It may not be every other patch. It might be once an expansion. Who knows? But they know they're going to make that box sale on you if they've got you hooked in and that you're going to have to pay a sub in order to get through X number of patches, try Y number of content. So with Endwalker, getting a, a degree of closure is something I've only experienced in one other game. And that is their other MMORPG, Final Fantasy XI. <laughs> Though their closure was because they were like, this game is pretty much on its last heels, which has since gone another way as well, you know, so. Oh, man. Uh, what do you think what about time. what do you think about the future of Eleven? Because I just feel like the answers they're given are more like they're still trying to figure it out for themselves of what they want to do, and mm -hmm. I just the, the gamer in me the the vet in me wishes like just either get in or get out like do something. That's what I personally hope for. What do you what are you hoping for for the future of Eleven? Eleven, it's whatever happens at some point. Just make a single player version. I, th I think it's unavoidable. I know they've recently stated that they think it's the one game in the franchise that could die if it were to go offline. Um, I don't think they would ever come to that. I think they've already proven that with Dragon Quest X that you might as well go that route. Um, I don't think they're planning that. I don't think that's even in the works yet. I think they're sooner looking at the technology and they wouldn't even go that way until they'd made a solid decision to actually enter the maintenance mode that they had originally planned to enter back in 2017. So... I don't really have too much in the way of hopes. It's hard for me to log in and enjoy 11 outside of the occasional story update now anyway. Yeah. The fact that there is story updates is a surprise, given that they've said there wouldn't be, and then they're like, yeah, might as well. At the end of the day, it'll come down to the technology, mm -hmm. though, because they are still limited to PS2 dev kits, even though they have gotten some virtual machine development uh, systems set up as well. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's tough that that started as a, it is at its core, a PS2 game and not a PC game. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the strength that I, the Final Fantasy 14 architecturally has in its corner, uh, that it is PC, you know, architected first. So that can continue to expand. We saw them drop the PS3, uh, you know, mm -hmm. just as like, this isn't even on my questions, but you know, as a part of the conversation, 
Uh, do you see them dropping PS4 in the next four years, or do you think we're going to see them uh, stick on that platform? I, I know Yoshi P talked about how it's a, an adoption rate. You know, it's not really a technology thing at the moment. It's it's like, well, sixty percent of the people are still on PS4. That we're not doing that. But do you do you think that's uh, that that's coming to an end too? I think it's inevitable, but it's not something. It's it's not as uh, rushed as the ps3 the ps3 as a piece of technology had so many limitations that have led to even just single player rpgs kind of being trapped on it if not being completely remade in some capacity from the way up because the ps3 just it's so far behind technology i don't even think it has like a cpu in it or something it's like missing a cpu or a gpu or it's the it's ps3 was cell based so it's it's like architecture like where you go to yeah. ps4 ps4 is x86 based yeah so that means that it automatically from just a a workflow standpoint is so much easier to build for. Mm -hmm. So you're not sitting there having to worry about emulation it ends up being kind of one of the things a lot of people end up just deploying. Um, and yeah. there were some of the strengths that the cell architecture for PS3 brought to the table, but not so like when you look at PS3 versus 360, it was like, oh, developers like, oh yeah, I could get a little extra power, but I'm making this multi-platform. There's, yeah. you know, I could spend $300,000 to get a little bit better shading but it's not going to translate into money. You know, like if you're like, I'm going to yeah. put a pool in my yard, maybe it translates, maybe it doesn't. You're taking a, you're taking a calculated risk or something like that. Um, yeah. I want to jump into uh, the seven questions. That was kind of my eighth question and ended up being kind of that, you know, a long, cool discussion right there. But um, MMO audience size, like this is the, not just those who play it, because we know that from just the numbers alone, like Final Fantasy 14, this last year, like it's just, we continue to see the numbers go up. Uh, player bases, you know, people who've either played it or still actively su subbed continues to grow. But we're also now talking about those who consume content for the longest time. Like what Chris and I have kind of talked about behind the scenes is we talk about what's the ceiling on content creation consumption within the Final Fantasy space. And you and Zeppla have been kind of that, that cap. You're like, okay, what's the largest that this channel could be? Well, right now the largest is happy and Zeppla in the space. And so when it comes to the audience size, how is how do you view it uh, within uh, this niche that is the MMORPG and the consumption around the content that you make? So just around MMORPGs in general, mm -hmm. I think the cap, it's definitely spot on to say that the cap is lower than the more major genres and uh, franchise out there. It's just, it's true of role-playing games. Role-playing games are just at their core from their inception designed for a, a subset of people that are not the thrill seekers. They're not, you know, the, the, the Twitch reaction, you know, hardcore, you know, FPS gamers or anything like that. It's, it's designed to be a slow, steady adventure in a sense. And the fact that we've moved generationally from a generation that kind of had time for that to one that is all about hopping from, you know, project to project. It means that the, overall mmo space is relatively okay but that everyone just constantly spreads out so much that there's so many advantages and disadvantages to being someone who specializes or somebody who does general content because if mm -hmm. you do general content you're just looking to kind of pick from the pile you know you're trying to grab almost anyone that might be it might be in that hemisphere because some people it's not like everyone plays every mmo but they all spread around and try new things. If you do specific, you have to make sure it's a big enough slice of the pie because otherwise you're just going to be completely screwed on content creation. Uh, I think the audience cap, though, is acceptable enough in order to create content for and feel like you can 
earn a reasonable income as long as you have enough uh enough ideas enough willingness to kind of just jump into different types of content and to make a mixture of different types of content if you just want to be someone who does hardcore raids i think you're going to find you know there isn't a whole lot of content for you to create on no matter how hard or awesome the raids are you beat it once you talk about it once no one's gonna no one's gonna care what your clears were like this week you know (laughs) it's like yeah just i just want to see in video format your weekly clears i watch that every week even though it's exactly the same as i don't well, especially in terms of the, like, when you talk about mechanics, it's like it, I've always kind of thought of it as a dance that it's like, okay, now you're working on, there's, there's two things, the, the mechanical dance of the content and then the mastery of the job, your rotation and being able to respond to the other people in your group who, if there's a mistake or things that need to kind of get picked up, that you have that, that flexibility. And when it comes to like into content types though, right? Like you just talked about as what you're kind of producing, the demand for certain kinds of, you know, content within itself. Uh, what would you say uh, in terms of the size though, would be the most popular in-demand content that you produce for the Final Fantasy community itself? Is it something that surprises you? Like I found that sometimes I put a video out and I'm like, I have no idea why that did good. Like, I just, I don't have no idea. Like it just resonated or with the algorithm or with people, but do you find yourself in that situation? And what would you say is your best, best content? I think it's it's kind of a tough call because you want something that is more in-depth than your average player would be able to perceive, but not so in-depth that they feel overwhelmed by it. So that ends up meaning that a lot of the general stuff that I create ends up being the, the crux of the content that I make. Looking at my all-time highest viewership, Paladin vs. Warrior vs. Dark Knight is my second most viewed video of all time. An old one, that's all the way back from 2015, mm-hmm. but it's representative of what people wanted to know. You know, what class should I pick? It's it's like one of the most basic questions anyone asks whenever they're starting a game. Same with, you know, Ninja versus Dragoon versus Monk, or uh, you know, it's just it's it's those. Those are their core. I guess talking about classes as a whole. It seems to be like I just I keep looking through the list and it's like every different expansion, every time I've compared classes, those have eventually risen to be the most viewed. I, I have leveling one to fifty in under eight hours. Yeah. That's one of my most viewed videos, three hundred twenty-three thousand. It's like that's what people want. They want to know how to get through the earliest parts of the game in an efficient or quick way while not being boring or like too into the minutia of the details. That's where the largest consumption seems to be. Yeah, I would define that. And that's just kind of how I think of it, like internal, you know, like you know, talking shop here is that I look at that and I define that as value driven content, content that is giving the viewer information or insight uh, you know, kind of like, hey, this is what I've experienced this. Maybe don't make these kind of mistakes. Uh, and it's value driven because from an entertainment perspective, my view, especially of myself, is like I don't find myself all that entertaining unless I'm trying to be entertaining in terms of my like I've been doing stand up this year and it's going really well. And that in and of itself is like I, I find that is like if I was going to be entertaining, it's it's something completely separate from games. And I look at games as this opportunity uh, to kind of have like a deep dive and an analytical view 
of kind of the systems, the components, what's working, what's not. So I would define like your, your greatest videos. Cause like, that's what I was always consuming of yours, especially when, cause I was like, at the time I thought, yeah, I, I, I could be wrong. I know there's probably a couple others, but like you were the, the content creator that I was, I was consuming along with the podcast that you and, uh, and Mike shared, Mike and Mike in the mornings, uh, but the uh, but definitely it, not in the morning. Oh, on for you in the morning. It was yeah, for me in the mornings. Day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, Ajia actually, and I was I'm going to pivot on this as a piece of content says that the state of the realm is their favorite Mister Happy content. How would you describe the process and the demand for the podcast format for Final Fantasy 14 specifically? I think that the less thought you put into it, the better it is. <laughs> I'm not saying it needs to be low quality, but yeah. I'm saying that when it comes to creating a uh, an avenue of discussion, you want to hit on all the key points. You want some valuable uh, output from that or some valuable, I guess, input from the people who are on the podcast itself. But you want it to feel like you're in your living room just talking about it, you know? So all fancy frills and, and and crazy like they don't want any sound effects or, or any background music all the time i want it to be focused on the whole topic of the show final fantasy 14 it is what the podcast is dedicated towards and if we can just casually have a conversation about what's recently happened the show is always a success now, that being said, you do get a pretty solid read from podcasts on what content to create outside of the podcast itself. If I do a podcast on, let's say, nightclubs like we have in the past, because Sly, you know, he runs a nightclub, he DJs for a nightclub in Final Fantasy fourteen. I can tell you that the viewership on those is generally lower, even though, you know, if you go out to any of those nightclubs, there's hundreds and hundreds of characters in any given housing ward at any time. There's clearly enough viewership, but they're not trying to consume content for it on YouTube. So the podcast is a two way street. You want to see what's popular in the game to produce the podcast, but you want to use the podcast to see what topics are popular in the game. But as long as you're casual and having fun with it, I don't think it needs to be any more complicated of a podcast. It needs to feel like you're just chilling with a bunch of friends, even if you're just somebody watching and not actually on the podcast itself. Yeah, I think you guys actually nailed that. Like, that's the perfect way to kind of describe uh, State of the Realm. And it always feels like that. Yeah, like we're all just hanging out, in, you know, on your couch, you know, eating pizza or something like that and drinking some beers and laughing about, especially, especially when, and this is my, you know, kudos to you, when there isn't content to talk about when the raids have been cleared the story is done we've talked about it from every angle we've speculated of the future and then it's like well yeah game's still going on what are you guys up to what are your goals or, or things like that now this is a, a kind of a, a thematic tone shift into question two uh, regarding kind of our negative experiences so what negative experiences have you had with hyper enfranchised fans not liking your content you know, it's about, I feel that it's it's at first kind of hard to differentiate, differentiate between the two. I actually don't see that much of it specifically interact with my content because I've largely kind of tuned those people out to the point where they don't want to comment. They'd sooner just throw a dislike and not comment than yeah. they would actually contribute a comment. And if they do contribute a comment, they contribute comments on lots of videos, which means they're clicking my video. So thanks. Uh, <laughs> so that ends up becoming my experience with hyper and franchise fans is, is that they become 
I don't like treating my community as a metric. A hyper-enfranchised fan to me is a metric because I cannot deal with them any more as an individual than actually boiling them down to a number. That way, nothing they say or does, as long as it's non-threatening or uh, not excessive, it just doesn't matter to me. And I don't see a lot of it anyway. I see more of it not in Final Fantasy XIV, but as a franchise of Final Fantasy overall. Yeah. You know, oh, this is my favorite Final Fantasy. Oh, that one sucks. Oh, this one's the best Final Fantasy. <laughs> that drives me mad more than anything. But. I think one of the things I've enjoyed uh, that they did was in-game uh, with how they uh, kind of have that monitoring policy, more active enforcement. Um, Cause I've told stories about how my wife was harassed and, you know, bullied in game and somebody, you know, like you're lying. That's never happened. They are really great at enforcing it. I was like, they are now, but this, I wasn't <laughs> talking about, they were doing it in the past, you know, like there were, there was a change and we did report the individual, but you never kind of know if there's any kind of resolution, right? You kind of just report it into the ether. Now it's like people are like, Oh man, I got banned. And we're all like, okay, well, I think you clearly <laughs> like deserve that and take your three day suspension and we'll see you in three days and think about what you did so you don't see a lot of that in game i've often kind of remarked that it's not i don't think unique to final fantasy or even 14 no, specifically but i oh, actually think it is God. it is exa uh, exacerbated by social media like oh, where yeah. we find it is on the forums and on reddit and on twitter and that's where for me like when we look at the most recent kind of thing that just made me just laugh out loud to the point of tears was the billboard thing you know, and people just like there was I was like, we're clearly bored, like or we're, we're clearly between <laughs> yeah. content when like I, I was like, OK, they met they messed up. I'm sure that's just going to work itself out. But this is freaking hilarious to me. Like, wow. You know, outside of a few changes. Yeah. Advertise whatever the hell you're doing. That's in a way it's kind of cool. But obviously, clearly, we saw some things come out. What are, what are your thoughts on that? What about the billboard specifically? <laughs> oh, no, not specifically about the billboard, but about social media. And do you feel like that's where the toxicity lives? It's not actually game specific. It's in how we communicate online. It's definitely there's definitely some game specific stuff. I, I, a lot of it is indeed how social media works nowadays. But I can, I'm not inclined to believe that these people would not be like this if they didn't have social like they would be they're the same person you know social media just lets them kind of constantly do you think they would it? actually like if we were all out at fan fest if we get a physical one again do you think these people who like have anonymity i can't say the word would act the same way to us in per like not just us but others in person well it's not so much that they would act that way in person although i can tell you from experience some of them definitely will okay uh it's more so that it's still while they're vocal about it, it's it's still just an expression of who they are. And given any situation, if you were in, let's say, let's say we had no way of communicating online and we went to a fan fest and you're meeting a bunch of people for the first time and you stated, uh, I think that rating is dumb in Final Fantasy 14. I will wear that shirt to the next fan fan fest for you. Yeah, although I, I think people would find it funny. If you wear it as a shirt as opposed to having it in a discussion, I think. I think <laughs> some people, would, it's, it's never mind. Anyway, but go ahead. I feel like if that would be the first chance they had to express it, and the only way they had to express it, they would do it in person because it's part of who they are. Uh, I mean, I see it with anime is always my go-to like comparison. I've seen anime like, you know, like people who are like too diehard 
where it's like you try to have a discussion and they just like they're just all correct they're the actually people that's what it is the well actually well actually well actually <laughs> yeah it's so i i think the social media lets them do it constantly which is annoying <laughs> but it's still like they're still like that i don't think it, it means i don't think it's gotten worse because of social media we just see it more because of social media and man some of the things i see Oh. It is a strange paradox because it also is what empowers us to create content and yeah. to like in your case, like, cause like I've, I love making videos, but people are like, are you going to go full time? Not a chance. Um, but you know, in your case, you, this is what you do. This is how you provide and build and, and, and provide for your family. Uh, in this case and your cats, uh, <laughs> uh, the cat dad here with me, uh, this is what we we're talking about before the show. Um, but like, this is what you, it is the kind of this weird paradox because like it does allow for that element, but it also has allowed for this. What I would say is this beautiful element for you to share your passion for final fantasy with the, the world, with the whole world. So they're like, you know, it isn't all bad, but it definitely has its, you know, has its venom. I think it's of it less as a paradox and more of a mosquito bite <laughs> because that's what it is. It's like, stop, come on. That's I can't itch it. Don't itch it. It just makes it worse. Yeah, that's it. So that's, that's how I, I consider that part of social media. And you do at least with some basic versions of social media, as long as you're not like a forum diver or something, you have the means to, Kind of call that yourself i i don't block anybody i just mute them because i don't want because i know they they like they're into getting blocked they're like that guy blocked me look <laughs> and i'm like you'll never know i don't know what you say so that's what i do i just i just lower the volume on the stuff that's like overly negative whether it be through youtube twitch or twitter and i just go about my merry way because i enjoy what i do i don't need everyone to but if they're being really annoying about it then just Zap. Just zap. All right, on to number three. The benefits and downside of obviously being a general MMO versus a game specific, a focus channel. And in your reaction, one of the things that really I, I, I cued into, because this is something that you're you're kind of, you know, you're doing your Brian. Uh, <laughs> anytime, Brian. Anytime I say hi to stream, it always just cracks me up. Um, but one of the things that, you know, I kind of alluded to was the multi-channel and the health of that. And you called it a generalized specialist. Or, or maybe I'm being dyslexic. No, on the I words. think you're right. Yeah. And I thought that was actually genius, right? I, I was like, that is exactly what I think ends up making the most sense because the thing I've discovered is like, I've told people this, I'll, I'll tell them to the moon. Like, I absolutely adore New World. Like, New World feels like if Square Enix gave a shit about Final Fantasy XI. Like, it's like, here's this world. It's just beautiful. And I, really, you know, I, I love experiencing it, but it's not there yet like it is definitely one of these games that it's like we will see what happens uh for sure but in that like in that vein the thing i've discovered is like well clearly just putting that content in its own pipeline works better and it gives it to the people who want it and if you have no interest in that or any other game for that matter uh you at one point were talking about like early uh in your youtube career when destiny was about to come out and you were looking into it and you're kind of interested in it but algorithmically i was wondering if it just kind of either punched you in the stomach and you're just like well i'd have to work 10 times as hard to try and build this out now i would say like if you were ever like if we traveled back in time the second channel would be the way to go uh in this regards so to that that's the longest way of me asking um what do you see as the benefits of you being 
uh, considered special specialized, but when it comes to obviously the risk of being specialized, uh, where do you see yourself going? And do you see yourself uh, actually uh, taking a multi-channel approach in the future? Yeah, I've contemplated even just multi-channeling for really simple things. Like I could post pictures, I could post videos on my cats. Yeah. I'm just make an Aloha Ivy channel and just like upload those with like no care in the world. Like it's, I already record them. I, I would probably just spend a day going through all of my videos. Just be like there, I'll, I'll um, upload them all and I'll schedule them all for a month. And I'm done with that channel for the, like the next two, three weeks until I like got to compile all the other videos I have. But on a more serious note, um, I think the I've, I've had a lot of discussions about multi-channeling, and I think it really depends on what you are trying to sell. Are you trying to build a brand off yourself or are you trying to build channels? And I can tell you right now, building channels is a far more lucrative and uh, sensical business than it is trying to build your own brand in this day and age with so much accessibility on the internet. So uh, I know, in fact, I know someone who I think they have 17 different channels. Like I'm every every time by 10. (laughs) (laughs) They, they, every time a new game comes out, even if it's a single player game, they make a different channel and they flood it in the first like week or two to push it algorithmically into the equation because YouTube sees, okay, this channel is only about this thing. So for people searching for this thing, we're going to recommend this thing. Yeah. And even if they completely abandon the channel, they, they get to a monetization point very quickly and they cash in on it before jumping to another one. And then if anything does new does come out on that thing, they then just throw another video on and they're not like doing hyper in depth. They're, they're doing, you know, talk to the camera. Here's the news. Here's the latest thing that happened, you know, or the usual algorithmic things, you know, top five, this, you Mm -hmm. know, top three, that bottom five, this, you know, whatever. And it just, it makes for quick work. It makes for easier work, but it also makes for algorithmically sensical work. I think that is the best and also worst thing for YouTube as a whole, because nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear, oh, yeah, just make a different channel for everything you're interested in. And it's like, yeah. bro, I can't even do one. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I Somebody told me today uh, that it's like YouTube seems to be favoring those who upload three to five shorts a day. Yes. And I was like, I don't have it in me. <laughs> you are like, hiring editors a lot because shorts don't, even if you're part of the shorts program, they pay awfully. They're for exposure more than anything um because they don't run ads so you just it's like the the way tiktok does their partner program is Mm -hmm. you know you upload content based on the number of views and uh yeah just the total number of uh clicks that it has or views that it has you get paid like this like minuscule amount it's like pennies yeah comparatively to everything else but it feeds your channel into the whole algorithm of youtube which sucks (laughs) (laughs) because i don't I don't mind making a short, but knowing I'm putting time in as a as a creator that's all on my own yeah. to something that has no direct monetary value in my channel and does not guarantee algorithmic success because of the number of people doing it, it's 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 a hard sell as a full time creator. As a part time creator, I'd probably probably be more open to doing it if I had like an already normal steady source of income from a whatever job i was working but as a full-time creator it is 
it's the kind of thing I'd have to hire an editor for. I don't think I could bring myself to do it. Yeah. That's where, when I've, I've made a few and it's like, cause again, you're like limiting, like, okay, here's a minute. And then you're like, then you're trying to find like the best slice of that because I always kind of, yeah. To slice it like, like this too. Like if you have, because whenever I do live streams now, I have to grab my camera from the bottom left and push it into the middle center and then make sure the space at the top is enough to actually show whatever the source is. If it's like a, if it's like Twitch stream clips or, or whatever. Yeah. I think that, uh, and Alpin points out the algorithm can be broken in, uh, for a short time. I actually, I feel this like legitimately right now. I literally pulled up my YouTube page and it had out of the 10 videos that were right there. It had like five of them I'd already seen. And it was showing like I hadn't seen him. And I was like, I thought I'd seen this. I thought I watched this. And then I was like, I click on it. And I was like, I've already seen, like, I liked it already. Like, I was like, I even commented on it. So I, I feel like right now they're, they're doing some, some stuff in the back behind the, behind the scenes. And you kind of feel it as a creator. You ever feel like you put a lot of work into something. You're like, this is going to be great. You post it and you're like, oh, you check back in later. And you're like, wait, what happened? It was, did I, did I do something wrong? I sometimes wonder how I did something right. Um, because I, a lot of the times I actually do put work into videos knowing they won't do super well. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I've, I've done it long enough to know when a video is a hit or not. I did a, a full like puppet master. Like what if they put puppet master into 14? And for that, I had to do like, I had to go through every step of coming up with like the job design and names and, and interactions with one another. And I was like, oh, that's this video is going to do terribly, but I'm doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. And it actually did all right. But then you also have a video that was me showing a piece of artwork and speculating about the story for the raid. And that does just as well. And that's like, so I got, that was me Googling some Greek stuff to remind myself and being like, oh yes. And in Greek, uh, in, in, in Greek mythology, there's this creature and this creature. And that's like the snake and the, the, and the, and the squid stuff, and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, I feel it, but you know, what's weird. I feel it in the, in the creator studio right now. Sometimes I update titles and they're updated and YouTube is showing them correctly. But when I go to edit that video again, the title still shows as the mm -hmm. unedited one. I'm like, wait, did I mess this up? Yeah. Why is that not? I, I think they're, they're working on, you know, and they're doing some rollouts and things like that. Cause as we've seen over on YouTube, like, you know, they're still slowly adding in features that Twitch has. One of the things that's sort of enjoyable about Twitch is like just the toolkit that it gives you. And then if you ever stream over on YouTube, you're like, well, I'm, I'm missing like 90% of the things that I enjoy over about the Twitch experience. Uh, so been that way for a long time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe 2022 is the year, but we're already halfway through. So like YouTube's kind of probably trying to figure itself uh, out itself. Now, um, regarding uh, question number four. Now, you in your video, in your reaction video, talk about the idea of like the 10 hour review, the 20 hour review, the 30 hour review, especially as it relates to MMOs. Uh, could you expand upon that idea? Like how much time realistically do you feel your community uh, is looking for you to kind of provide that because you don't just play MMOs on your stream. Like, for example, you're doing uh, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Where do you feel would be the right, you know, uh, metric to put out either a first impression or a review? Because those are kind of like two videos, in my opinion. I think that as soon as you have something to say, you can put out a video. Um, I wanted to put out a video as soon as I got about 10 hours in to Xenoblade 3 because it was an unbearable experience. 
for me. And I'm like, how is this game getting nines and tens and five out of five? I was like, how can you ignore all of these issues? And when I tweet anything like that, oh boy, do I get some fun ones back. I love I love getting a tweet where it's like, um, I haven't had any of these issues. I know they're there, but I haven't had them. And then in the immediate following tweet says, I think you're the only one having this issue. It's like, you just said that you know that. Also, I'm definitely not the only one having said issues. That being said, <laughs> as soon as you have something to say, if you preface it properly, I think you can say it. If I wanted to, for example, say, let's do, I want to do a video every 10 hours of, of game that I play. And it's like a hundred hour RPG. So 10 hours in, I make the video. I go, honestly, you know, going into chapter one. And then I would just say like, you know, I'm not doing, this isn't spoiler free. Like if you want to know, like I'll maybe in the first video, but like after that, I probably would say, okay, I literally, I have to talk about the next 10 hours, like without specifics. I would, I would be like, well, the game starts and it's got a pretty cool opening cutscene, but then it starts throwing you into tutorial after tutorial and the tutorials are clunky in this way and that way. And then they give you the same tutorial twice. And then you go out into the field, but you can't change party leader. And then the monsters get stuck on the rocks and the ledges, but at least you can fight in water now. So like I could, I can throw all those things because most people who play games do not give them more than 10 hours before they decide if they want to keep playing. Yeah. So that's the magic mark for me is that's why that number pops to the mind immediately is 10 hours, but then 20 hours. And I'd be like, you know, after the first 10 hours, this, this aspect improved. I didn't have this much to deal with anymore. There's still these few issues, but honestly, it's fine right now. I could play it. I could finish it. I'll just not forget that earlier experience. Then maybe 30 hours in, I've got another experience then by 50 and by a hundred. And the idea of playing a hundred hours to have an opinion is I think it's wrong outright. It's not just a bad take. It's wrong. Well, and we see like people will use any, any excuse. So even if you put a hundred hours in and your opinion didn't align with the person or what they were hoping mm -hmm. you would say, they would find some other way of discounting it. And so I always kind of look at that as kind of low end gatekeeping, but in terms of that, right? Like whatever the amount of hours you also talked about the speed in which, uh, content kind of is in demand and you yep. pushed out your guides further along so that they were, you know, that you wanted to put more work into them. You wanted to see if the, 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 the strategies changed and then ultimately they didn't perform well. And so in the same context of this review process, this 10 hour, 20 hour, do you feel like there is a, a, a market, a, a viewer base uh, that is in demand for the 10 and then following a 20 and then like maybe a 30 because are they just, did they just get what they needed with the 10 hour and would they come back for the 20 and the 30 in your opinion? If I preface the 10 by saying that I'm doing a 20 or a 30, yes, I would lead the video with that. Be like, this is only my, this is only my review for the first 10 hours. I'm going to play more than this because, you know, the first 10 hours can be representative of an early experience, but may not be representative of the whole game. You always have to preface. If you go into a review and say, this is my review for the game. I play 10 hours, put it down, and it's the worst thing I've ever played. And, but that's your whole review for the whole game. You've, You've doomed yourself. You are you are a laughing stock, a punching bag. And you know what? You kind of deserve it. I think we have a very recent example on YouTube of somebody posting a review without playing through a game very much, and uh, it blew up a little bit. <laughs> like my my opinion is like as long as you tell people like, hey guys, yeah. this is my I haven't 
I haven't played this game, but I'm going to review it anyway, you know, just based off of the box art, you know, it's like, as long as I set the context and then, cause at that point, I'm just trolling at that point. It's just like, okay, we're just, we're just making a whole joke out of uh, the memes. Now, Chad does say that the Aloha Ivy channel would pop off immediately. So um, I'm, I, agree. Uh, I, I hope that we get, to I think see. it's easy money. Hey, you know, it's it's only your time and your money. Like, no one else would be collecting on that check. I, I don't think Aloha or Ivy would be getting representation to be able to say, like, I want better catnip. Or, you know, got to pay the talent. Got to pay the talent, though. Got to pay the talent. I mean, I do pay the talent. It's just they're a tax write-off because I pay the talent. <laughs> I get the best of the best because they're on brand. Nice. That's a big piece of advice, by the way. If you have a pet. Don't abuse them for anyone's entertainment. Don't like do force them to do things that they're not comfortable with. But if you just love them and you love spending time with them and you love showing them in your content, go ahead and and write off their food and their care and everything. Like build them into your brand in some capacity because that is a that is a great thing for them because then you can give them the best, the absolute best. My cats are. Sp- Boiled beyond all belief and that's why they whine to me at three in the morning be like um i just woke up and this bowl is empty i couldn't help but notice that i'm not even hungry but could you could you put something in there a little bit sure <laughs> oh very nice now one of the things that on uh on that there's a kind of before we move to the next one uh having delayed your uh your reviews and stuff like that one of the things that chris and i just got tickled about was reddit put out a guide on the best way that Final Fantasy 14 content creators should release their guides it was this, and here, here's the here's the. Model. I didn't see that. I kind of want to. I want to react. You to should. That. You should. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm going to let you go find it. No, you, I want you to tell me okay. about it. If you don't, don't read it to me. I'm not going to read it. But here's the summary. Day one, they're they're fine with. However, after day one, maybe a day or two after, the day one should be taken and deleted. And then new guides should be released going over in more edited detail, the guides themselves. Then three weeks later, when the, the, the formula has been established, all the early stuff. Now, and again, this isn't us wanting Mr. Happy to do this. This is wanting everybody within the Final Fantasy 14 content no, creation I know. to get on I board know. with this. To then everybody delete all our stuff. Like, nope, that was just the day one and that was the day five. Now we've established the meta and we've, it's not that we, and because people will find the day one and they'll look at the day one, but it could change by day, by 10, by 20, by 14. So they then would want everybody to pull it all off. And then essentially the, the community approved and whatever, who, like, and I'm like, who would do this work? Like you're talking about doing this guide multiple times and then releasing it uh, to the, at the end where then that would be the established community shared and all agreed on and every, and everybody agrees this is the method. I, and I just thought that was the absolute best. They go to way more detail. So you, you definitely, I, I don't have the link, it. but yeah, but if you can find that it's, it's from a, like a, probably a couple years ago. Um, and, uh, from, oh, I don't know where it is. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask, <laughs> I I'll, this happened to no, no, I'll ask Chris, I'll ask Chris to see if he can't, if he doesn't have that somewhere in his saved list and be like, toss it over to haps because still to this day, like we talk about that in terms of here's the agreed method. But to your point, when you delayed, like you, you lost out on hundreds of thousands of views and generally people don't actually need the thing that they, or at least this Reddit in the, you know, things that they need. Go ahead, man. This is something that is really hard to convey without sounding 
how do I put this? Like a jerk. <laughs> this is not Jersey a slight to yeah, it's not a slight to any one individual. It is the collective hive mind of humanity that is to blame for this. And it is nobody cares after a week. <laughs> so here's here's the big thing. If they would need every single person ever who's never read this. Who's that? What? You, God, so many thoughts running through my head. Right imagine, now. imagine me like, hi, oh, you know, because we always want to encourage people to make content for fourteen. Yeah. Here's like, the rules. Well, right. Oh, good, you've made it. You've hit your. You've been become a YouTube partner. Guess what? Now we're gonna open up the doors, and here's the document that we've all agreed to that we've never shared publicly, and now you must sign. Otherwise, we're gonna cancel you or something. Some of the ridiculous. <laughs> Everyone wants. And by the way, I could, I've already got a thing against this. Everyone wants to get through everything as quickly as possible in any means possible. They do not care what is the best three weeks later because most of them are not using that. Most of them are using whatever they found first and going with that. Now, maybe that's the first thing they found because in this person's imaginary world, that's all that there was. But also, why would a bunch of creators all vote to put out the exact same thing every day? The only time we all agree to that is Mediator. Because <laughs> yeah. we all know we're going to be basically doing the same thing. So it's just there's this this puts the blame on the content creator when it's it's what people want. People immediately want the answer. No, they, they don't care. And once they've looked up the first video, they're not going to look up a video a week later. Right. It's, they just don't care. I have the numbers to prove this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This actually blades right into the the nature of the short term, quick turnaround video. The you know should you play this game in 2022? What class to play in 2022? Um, that just bleeds into that. The, what I've always viewed as a perception versus the reality. Right. Like emotionally, I feel that this is the way that we should go. But the data and the science shows that this is what people are willing to pay for or purchase, meaning um, click on in, in the YouTube space. You, you and I both make content for free. Uh, there is no guarantee of return. However, you know, putting that, you know, hey, this is the the versus video that you're finishing for uh, the for the healers, which I'm I'm I love that series. That's one of my favorite hap series that comes out and I'm excited to watch that. But yeah, do I go watch like every video as it's as it's popular? No, like it, it just doesn't make sense. So, where do you feel in terms of that? You've been doing this so so long now. Um, when it comes down to that, like, is that something where do you view that as a I got to pay the bills, guys, and this is what you are willing to click on versus you know when you would actually take time to like make the versus series, even though that is a popular series. But like when it comes down to it, like you are full time, you rely on this full time. Is it a decision of like God, guys, like? got to pay the bills and this is what you click on or is it something different for me because i have multiple avenues of income i have sponsorships i have twitch i have youtube like i i make sure that i don't sacrifice the way i feel making content just to make content that being said <laughs> uh if i know something doesn't get clicks i opt out of making it mm. which is what happened with my guides when i noticed that because i decided to wait a week that they were not getting clicks because yeah. i knew 
it was it's the same with ultimate guy it's like hey aloha that's not your food stop <laughs> there we go let's go aloha there we go subscribe on the aloha channel <laughs> he's not happy right now he's going he goes limp like liquid whenever he's picked up yeah because he doesn't like being picked up although now he's kind of relaxed because he doesn't realize he's free there we go uh all right um what was i talking about yeah so if if an idea i know doesn't work i won't do it it's the bottom line ultimate is a really solid example of that people love the initial struggle people want to see you clear a new phase or beat the fight or maybe talk about it but when it comes to an actual full-blown developed from start to from from start to finish guide for how to do it the number of people that are interested in that particular content which is three times the effort of those savage guides that i'll do on week one if not more probably way more than three times the effort um it's not worth it every time i try to do an ultimate guide or anything i look at the numbers and i go this is a waste of my time that's the bottom line i'd rather just watch my kill vod and talk about prog for two hours than make an actual guide about this it's just not worth it do you feel that's also because ultimate is the niche within the niche within the niche within the 14 community being that yeah it appeals to such a smaller base because i'm not i'm not doing ultimates i don't need a happy guide on how to clear the ultimate because that's just but you might watch me clear it oh i do i watch your clears exactly. but it's like like at the end of because that's in, that's interesting but the guide i'm like i don't need to learn the mechanics this isn't anything that i'm going to attempt to do and i'm glad ultimate exists i always want to let people know like i think there needs to be that pinnacle kind of content i don't want final fantasy 14 only designed for my play style but that is something that is in terms of that smaller niche same thing with pvp i've had a couple i don't know if content creators or uh people who are thinking about jumping into content creation ever reached out to you about this i've seen it hey i'm thinking about doing uh, I'm going to be the PVP guy for 14. I'm like, I hope you're, you know, going to do stuff else because I just don't see that within the 14 community that there's even, that's another sub niche uh, within, within what people want from the content. But I don't know. Have you seen that? Do you feel like uh, ultimate is in line maybe with the volume of PVP? Do you think PVP is bigger than ultimate? What do you think? No. So whenever it, it's about what most people who want to watch content view as well, watchable content. Mm -hmm. And again, getting through and clearing the, the struggle that it takes, the monumental challenge that is associated with it. That is something that people want. They, they love seeing people overcome this just monumental challenge and the emotion and elation that comes with that. Mm -hmm but they don't care about beating the fight most of the time. It doesn't, it's just the number of people who do care or if they care to learn about it, they've probably already been learning. Like nobody, nobody is like, let me find the, the X content creators guide to ultimate. It just doesn't happen. Like Zeno's UCOB guide is probably the most viewed ultimate guide and even that's like numerically speaking over the period of time it's been out it's it's just not the go-to avenue for it and yeah. it wasn't when it comes and a video has to be a hit in the first 24 hours or even if it does great numbers over time it might get people to click on your channel which mm -hmm. is all it becomes really in, in terms of of making a living that first 24 hours is crucial so 
I think that's how probably YouTube does like value their the ads to run because yep. it's all about people who are willing to put ads and they want to pay for ads right now. We want to try and position that so you get the biggest return. And if your video is not doing that well, then yeah, that makes sense that they would be like, well, let's move our bigger ads over to channels that are because it's not, yep. you know, like we are within like the gaming community niche. But then you look at YouTube as a whole and sometimes YouTube, I feel like treats us like not just second class citizens, but way further down. Uh, in terms of like what they care about versus what they say, which in a way is kind of what Cole is here is that, you know, people, you know, actions speak way louder words. People will say they want a, uh, but then they always act off of B people will say they don't like reaction content, but right now that's clearly the meta. Yeah. That's, that's and it's, I did a, uh, a deep dive analysis cause I was able to get, uh, Asmin to react to a few of my videos and they like, they, they, they killed the video. Like it killed the videos like multiple times. But when I did some reaction of my own, like I was, I got like a thousand subs off of one reaction video. Like it was, I was like, when I went and I was like, I don't feel really good about reaction. So I personally said, I, I want YouTube to, to do something like they do on TikTok where they link the video. So it would incentivize people to make original content because you could yeah. have the, the data, maybe even revenue shared. But I went down, I was like, you know what, until they do that, I'm personally sharing 50% of my re my reaction content with whoever made the original piece, because I I feel like that is at least the better way of playing into what YouTube is telling me I need to be making, you know, if I want to be a content creator and that's, um, that's pretty ridiculous. I do have a, an ultimate question for you though, and we can skip okay. this completely. Cause this is more just, I, this is my personal opinion. I felt like with ultimate and we have Raiders who are not streaming it. We really have to make a decision as a community, what we want a world first race to be. And I just don't think we have a consensus or an understanding of it. And I felt frustrated. I read multiple threads from people even coming in and asking me like, why is nobody talking about this? And it's like, we're really just kind of waiting for the world second. Like it's the world first will be cleared by somebody who isn't streaming. We know that for a fact, the world, like we're basically have two categories and no one's interested in a world's first race when someone's already done it privately do you feel the community needs to move forward into a more public uh, spectacle or do we think we just need to say like, eh, it is what it is. Honestly, I don't think it matters. Okay. I, I think the idea that these world first groups should be clearing. I, I don't think they have a, I don't think the reason to not do it matters much anymore, but the, the truth is the people who are competing in the world first race and the people who have the best odds of clearing it, they're not trying to be full-time content creators. They're mm -hmm. just, it's, it's not in their interest. They're trying to take on a challenge that is the highest challenge to them. You know, somebody else being able to comment about where they are in the fight or participate in this big event, like it, it could be cool, but what matters more to them is winning. That's where they, they derive their satisfaction from. They're not mm -hmm. coming into this, trying to get sponsors. They, it doesn't look right. anything like the wow race. There's, we don't have facilities for it. You know, it's, there's so many things that are different that I don't think it'll ever happen. And there's also nobody on another side of it willing to run a one to two week program for it. If, if DSR needed somebody, like if they wanted to do something for the entire time, there's no way nobody wants to do that for. Well, uh, and fine. And financially, like you said, like, you know, you want to pay your editor. Like you don't have an editor, you do it all. But if you had to bring on an editor, you recognize that it's also not just about exposure and experience that you're someone's putting their time into it. Mm -hmm. And 
while I would be honored to do some form of like shout casting for a window of time, I can give up some time because I think that's nice. You're giving me some of your time right now to have this, right? Like there's this sense of like, yeah, you're, but you're not asking for four hours or you're not asking for a week of time where it's like, okay, well, am I taking a vacation? Like, it's like, because now how do I adjust for that? Cause you know, I'm not, I'm not independently wealthy. Um, and if that ever becomes the case, then maybe I'll just shout cast all day long and you guys are just going to get sick of it. But when it comes down to it, like, I think that's one of the other struggles is because we don't have that sponsorship. So that's why I for, feel it's in this weird position, right? Where I feel some people are wanting it to move in that direction with the volume of players who've come over, especially from World of Warcraft. They were kind of confused as to why it's not like they remember. And I just don't, I like right now, it's like, unless everybody kind of says, this is where we want to go. I think it's just going to continue to kind of live in this weird limbo where, you know, it, it exists, you know, that's, it is what it is, you know. Some of that, I think, has to do with the size of the raids, too. Um, you need larger coalitions of people in World of Warcraft to actually, uh, you know, accomplish a raid. So you don't have as many, like, groups breaking off into these smaller groups that can decide, hey, you know, we're racing, but we're not going to stream. Mm -hmm. um, but I also would never want raid sizes of 20. I, I would just, I wouldn't want it. So there's there's a lot of reasons why it is the way it is. But I don't think we have to move in any direction. I think anyone who wants to stream should stream. And those of us who do, it, it is to our benefit because we do what we do already. Yeah. So um, just feeds into that. It absolutely does uh, feed into that. Um, now, uh, as we look into uh, number six here, what challenges does a review face when you sit down and you make your opening impression of a game that is vastly different from that of an established game? So if you were going to go into... Um, what's an MMO that you haven't played right now? New World. Okay. So if I you played the beta and said, mm. I would recommend oh. checking it out maybe in six months. I think essentially like they've done a lot of really good things, but when it comes down to it, it's all about where are they going and they'd have to communicate that because we don't, we don't know. We have the fall update and uh, we get a great sword. I'm thrilled about that, but um, I'll let you know. I'll let you know when to, to do it. But this will be a really good test if we ever like, you know, hey, it's been, you know, six months or a year. What kind of a challenge do you think you would face if you were going to put out a review on New World? Obviously, right now, like you stated in your video, the best video to make is something that is just going to dunk on on the game. That's what that's what the community wants to see or the vast majority of MMO players want to see, I think. But go ahead. More specifically, if you run a specialized channel that's what your view that's what they want to see because they want to see you dunk on the thing that's not the thing that they they already like right so you coming in and posting a dunking on new world video on your final fantasy channel i think that plays well me posting positive new world video here on ginger prime generally doesn't speak well and to highlight this from a numerical perspective this might i don't know if this will be interesting to you i post on ginger prime i get around a five percent click-through rate doesn't matter like that's that's what i get i've always felt great about that on my new world focus channel, I get a 25% click-through rate because people have subscribed just for that content. My Final yeah. Fantasy focus channel, I get a 20, 25% click-through rate. That's what people have subscribed for. So having that focus does have that interest. And obviously in that case, you would be speaking to the general thought of the community who might not necessarily be into new world, minus a few people who do cross over and, uh, and play each one, et cetera. But what would you think though would be the challenge? Like how, how long do you think you would need to spend uh, you know, in New World, in terms of that, let's say, um, you know, it's uh, maybe we pick a different game, uh, like Guild Wars, right? Like, let's say you were going to go in and say, you know what, hey guys, I'm going to check out Guild Wars in 2022. 
what kind of time commitment do you think that would you would want to put in for your own satisfaction to release any kind of content around it so i i am very much in the favor of producing content as quickly as you again as quickly as you have something to say i i don't think it matters what game i don't think it matters if it's an mmo you should know how you feel about the game you're playing as quickly as possible the longer it takes to figure that out, the longer it means that you're, it, it, it more likely means you're going to stop playing. Yeah. I think that's true of single player games. I think that's true of MMOs and Aloha. I'm trying to do something. Please stop or be a part of it. How do you, hey, hey. <laughs> how do you then feel about when a game's end game is different from that of its initial leveling experience? Uh, how do you feel like that that translates? I feel like if a game's endgame is so different that my early experience doesn't translate, it's messed up. And I do feel that way about Final Fantasy fourteen. I do think mm -hmm. they don't yeah. in any way properly prepare people for that. And it's a negative that I will speak on. People think I don't criticize Final Fantasy fourteen. I do. You just stopped listening to my channel however long ago. I've been doing it for years. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's a good thing. If I can't form an opinion about your game quick or form a good opinion about it quick, you've screwed up. It's the bottom. It's the bottom line. It's it's an aspect of your game that just clearly isn't working. If too many cutscenes and and too few skills is the reason why I feel like I don't play, that's not me complaining. That's me saying these are the things that I found unexciting. When I when I was done with my obligations for the day, these aren't. This isn't the thing I wanted to come home and do. And should be the case. Should know that as quickly as possible. So on that note, do you feel like Final Fantasy XI has impacted that view of fourteen? I've uh, described XI's endgame as a, as a game that starts at level one. And that's actually what translates to New World for me personally. New World's endgame begins at level one, where in my mind, Final Fantasy XI's endgame. And then content opens up down as you level up, right? Like that's just my, my take on it. So, and that's just because I think a lot of that ends up being a player-driven economy where... I know a lot of 14 players don't actually know what that means, but in Final Fantasy 11 terms, like it felt like, yeah, like there was this world that you were having to exist in, like making money was a critical aspect of the game. And there's obviously downsides to that. Like we know there are downsides to that gold sellers exist and, you know, thrived for a while because of those, of those kind of systems. So do you feel like that's, your view of Final Fantasy XIV's drastic endgame versus its leveling comes from your experience with eleven, or is it just something that's evolved with time? You know, it's funny when you say oh, eleven endgame begins at level one. I was like, you're right. I do spend all of my time leveling. Yeah, and you're right. <laughs> that which is all is more depressing to say out. Loud. I was playing eleven on a private server uh, with uh, like um, a couple of friends, and I was like, I was just gonna fish. Like, and that's what I did. I was like, I was just making bank just fishing and i was like this is wonderful like it was just this i i went into it because it was a private server with a whole different like a goal i wasn't like got to get to level 75 i got to do that and i was like no i'm just gonna i'm just gonna fish until i don't want to fish no more uh no so around 2010 i separated myself from final fantasy 11 and mm -hmm. i separated myself from mmos for a period of time uh and that was basically the beginning of 2000 10 to uh 1.0 mm -hmm. releasing in september and it was because i felt this sort of uh jaded sense aloha i swear to i felt this like jaded sense of not really feeling like i knew or understood 
how things were supposed to be or could be and only mm -hmm. thought everything should be the way I knew it already was. Yeah. So for Final Fantasy XI, it doesn't inform anything. I can make a comparison if I need to, but I, I looked at all my experiences in that game under a microscope and went, you know, I was mad a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I really wasn't that happy doing this. I was like, yeah, when I was chatting with people, it was fine, but I don't need Final Fantasy XI to chat with people anymore. You know, we have all this technology. I can maintain contact with, with all the same people. Without and the, and the people it. you want to play with who are also they, wanting to join you, you know? Yeah, so it's like, Aloha, stop trying to eat my thumb. <laughs> Literally just put my whole thumb in his mouth. Aloha. I like it. I don't. <laughs> we got a puppy um, and uh, it, the puppy's still nipping at the kids. And so uh, it's been, I feel like I'm training the kids more than I am training the puppy at this point. Cause like, I think I got the puppy like in, in a really good, like we're not having accidents in the house and they're doing really good. Um, but, but one of my kids is still like terrified of the dog. Cause she jumps up on it. And I was like, stop, you know, stop teaching her to jump up on you and she'll stop yep. jumping on you. But you know, they're two. So you do what you do. Well, he's not allowed on my desk, even though he really wants to do it right now. <laughs> All right. So this brings us kind of the final question before we wrap up. Uh, and again, thank you guys so much for joining us. I want to shout out uh, Cole Evix, uh, who's actually hanging out in chat right now. He put out his answers to these seven questions. If you haven't seen his video, uh, be sure to click on his name in chat. If that's how YouTube works, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, I did a reaction. I kind of listened to it while I was streaming last night. And uh, honestly, great job, Cole. Uh, so I want to, I want to point people over to Cole. If you haven't, uh, had a chance to talk with Cole yet happy. He's a, he's a really good as a, he's a really good content creator in the 14 space. I think he just crossed over 20 K. So congrats on that. Nice. Uh, Cole. Um, number seven, how is playing to critique different from playing for fun? Are you playing Xenoblade Chronicles for fun or is all this years of content creation having something going on in the back of your head, talking about critiquing and breaking down the systems? What, what says you? So for me, I don't get to, I don't get to do either. Um, I wow, went sucks. to I went to school. <laughs> I'll explain. I went to school for game design. Yeah. Um, so I don't play to critique and I don't play for fun. I just play to play and I just notice things. If I have fun, great. If I'm overly critical, fine. If I get to do both, awesome. I can't there's there's no like one goal going into any game because every time something happens, I want to figure out why the game is doing the thing that it does. And I'll give you an example okay. with Xenoblade 3. There's an issue I have with the game with the AI pathing specifically in that they have designed the game to do linear pathing from point A to B, regardless of the number of collision objects in the way, which means if it hits a collision object, they freeze in place and do nothing because oh. they cannot logic a way to get around the collision object. Those are the kinds of things that I notice. Somebody else might just say, oh, that thing got stuck on a rock. And I'm like, can I replicate this? And how many different ways can I replicate this? Does it work with this? Does it work with that? Does it... I'm not trying to critique the game, but now that I've noticed this like standout detail, I have to know as much about it as possible. And it's going to inform my opinion about the game. Like, how could they possibly do that? How, how could they have a monster on the other side of a rock? Just go, I guess, I guess I'm done. Yeah. I'm he done got a, rock. he got around. They somehow he phased through this rock and now I am uh, like, I cannot clearly get to them. So 
That's yeah. That's funny. Pathing is such an interesting thing, especially as MMOs go. I had a friend who was really big. He played uh, Eleven with me, but he came over from EverQuest, and he was always obsessed with the pathing of mobs because that's essentially what you would do, especially hunts. So you're like, okay, I'm going to hit this and he's going to go. And we know like you would learn the pathing of the AI and that's what established like your opening moves. And I was like, that's, that's a level of like, that's MMO players in my mind. Like the, the genre in and of itself is like, it is this interesting space that I don't think really is truly replicated by others. I saw, I've seen this and I've even made the argument that I feel sometimes like Fortnite and apex and more, are more MMO in terms of massive, you know, and you have these hundred yeah. player battles, then we have where, what we would call an MMO, like with a four person dungeon and an eight person dungeon. Um, and so it's like, well, are we seeing kind of a, a shift in the landscape? They've added RPG elements into these, into these games as well. And so that like, what ultimately is it? And I think it's essentially kind of the player and what they're looking for with the kind of a rich in-depth experience where if you want to, you can super specialized, not in a game, but like even in a system of a game, like I'm going to know the pathing. I'm going to be the guy who knows everything about the, the foliage and the lore behind this zone or something like that, where we see the, an opportunity for people to really dive deep. And then ideally, if there's a, you know, there's people who are also interested in it, then it could end up becoming, um, you know, something bigger and more, uh, more in depth. But I think that's uh, ultimately interesting, especially what you say about how it hasn't you, like the way you play, how you play, like it's fun yeah. critique. If you, if you get both, then it's a, it's a plus. Uh, what do you feel like this year alone has been something, uh, have you played something this year in 2022 that's given both for fun and critique that has hit that, uh, hit that rare, uh, goal for you? Elden ring is the ultimate goal. Ooh. Every game should be striving towards at this point, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think Elden ring is defined by a genre, but is by no means a genre defined game if that even makes sense. You don't have to be into giant open worlds to end up just kind of getting lost in Elden Ring. You don't have to be into third-person action games to find yourself figuring out what weapon is the weapon of choice that you think is the most fun. You just kind of forget. And yeah, you'll have some things where you'd be like, that that AI attacks too fast. You know, mm -hmm. there's, there's literally no recovery speed. I don't know how this weapon is anyone intends to do that. Or you'll find critiques based on your own play practically because you don't you haven't mastered it yet right and then it i mean that's why the whole referring back to earlier why the elden ring takes have been so varied because anyone's perspective and understanding informs their critiques informs their gameplay which informs their fun you have to kind of go through every single one but they're all also happening at the same time i, I don't know how that game came to exist as it did strictly because it is the it is the most perplexing an, a, amalgamation of emotion and and gameplay experience that I think I've seen in any number of years. That was not what I thought it was going to be going in. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I haven't finished Elden Ring yet, but it was as my first Souls based game. Like you just you step into it and I love that it pushes immediately and makes me kind of look and think about it because I've often remarked people like look at gameplay and they're like, you're not being efficient. I'm like, the game isn't requiring me to like, I'm doing just fine. We're clearing it just fine. There's no note that I am holding back a group and there's no, like the game doesn't tell me I'm doing anything wrong. Elden ring will like Elden ring. I was like, Oh, I need to know about stats. I need to know about what I'm doing here. I need to know about movement. I need to look at the, you know, like, and then immediately it's like, 
okay, this is not a game that's going to sit here and just hold your hand. And I even skipped the tutorial, went out and was like running around and, you know, didn't die for a long time. And everybody's like, just remarking, like, why is he still alive? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just exploring. I'm just discovering right now. I got one final question for you before we wrap, because I just kind of thought of this as, uh, as we were talking in terms of multi-channeling outside of your cats, is there an MMO that is existing now or that you see coming in the horizon, which like we've, you know, who knows about blue protocol? Like we haven't heard updates from them in over a year. That's uh, not true. We did get an update. It, all it says is we're working we're hard. We're going to promise. We promise. We promise. <laughs> They're actually, we're doing this. I actually have a blue protocol focused channel. Cause I was like, I'm interested in this game, uh, you know, multi-channel. That's what I, that's what I was like. This makes it easy. I can talk about what I want to talk about. So like blue protocol, uh, you know, ashes of creation, like everybody's got theories, uh, you know, uh, another theory, the riot MMO, um, is there yeah. like an MMO that is on the horizon for you that would interest you enough to actually go through the pain? Because what I've described multi-channeling is, is that it's initially a lot of extra work, but then ultimately when you have the established, the algorithm even just knows what you are doing there. Oh, he's posting on, you know, uh, you know, Elden Ring or something like that. We know what to do with this video. Then it becomes this real freeing experience, but it's kind of like this gauntlet of Okay, I got to create a new channel. Okay, I got to go through all the hoops with YouTube again. I got to do X, Y, and Z again. Is there a game on the on the horizon or that exists now that you would consider multi-channeling for and being uh, and kind of just jumping in as you look forward uh, down the road? Blue Protocol and the Riot MMO. The Riot MMO is actually at the top of the list. Um, I am a a closet Riot fanboy that most people don't know. I could recite most of the lore of the characters that mm. are already in the game to most people in a, a fairly accurate way, probably not to the minutia that we see from some of the longtime lore creators for, for Riot, but um, the fact that they've started branching off into other genres, specifically with the League of Legends lore, uh, has been fantastic. I love their single-player RPG mm -hmm. that they came out with, uh, and I'm looking forward to their isometric game even the fighting game i don't play the fighting games but like i just i have an infatuation with those characters and with that world that i don't want to express because i don't give a crap about playing league of legal i league league of legends league of legends league league of legends there you go <laughs> um strictly because of bad experiences you know that i think are almost uh a part of the moba genre <laughs> <laughs> almost it seems like or at least yeah. it's the identity of league of legends is the uh overbearing solo queue experience i don't want a purely pvp experience i want pve yeah so uh that's why i'm waiting but that would that's that's a definite one um also there's other there's other genres of game i do little do people know i'm a double may cry mm. fanatic hardcore they just don't make new devil may cry games very often that often they won't right. be making one for a very long time because dragon's dogma 2 is currently being worked on and that's from the same director mm -hmm. so yeah the idea is there it's a little scary though right now i'm okay with just having a vod channel as my as a second thing to have uh that's not with the expectation of making money but it's with the expectation that it 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 catalogs all of my content in case i need to refer back to it and it doesn't get disappeared into the void that is Twitch's however many day deletion process. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. It Absolutely. has its value. Oh, yeah. Especially just in terms of archive. I streamed 
Endwalker. This is the first time I streamed through the whole expansion. I did dabbled in it throughout, like, oh, uh, you know, with the Aetherite Radio, we would take over. I would stream a little Heavensward or something like that. But I streamed Endwalker because I was like, in 10 years, I want to look back at this experience. I wish I had my 1.0 and 2.0 and 3.0, you know, playthroughs to kind of look back at, like, you know, what was I thinking and feeling like in real time? Because I have a memory of it, but I don't know how much that memory is skewed by obviously new new memories and you know the appreciation for where the games has evolved into so anyway guys if you guys haven't been following mr happy again he is tagged please go check out his channel check out his twitch uh he is a, a excellent content creator we're very lucky to have him within the final fantasy space and also now i'm excited and hopeful that we'll see kind of a riot channel things like that because i can't do it all i can like i my, i have a limit I, i've got a limit on the number of content uh, channels that i'm willing to to kind of invest time in uh because it is an investment in time but uh also go check out cole who is hanging out in chat as well thanks everybody for tuning in live we're going to wrap up the the show and i'm going to wish you all the very best this has been Epic Loot Radio, episode 44. Uh, we're kind of trying something to do uh, new here with kind of the one-on-one -on -one approach. Uh, so I appreciate you guys tuning in live. Hopefully we'll see you in our next podcast. But until then, take care. <laughs>